Father, God blesses us so much. You know, it's funny the things you think about. You sit down up here and you think about, hmm, it's kind of interesting. I preach more in a garage since we've been here than ever anywhere in my life. But anyway, you just think about, you know, I've been told all my life and I tell people, don't ever forget where you came from. And we always have to remember that. But most important is remember where you're going and uh, stay on that straight and narrow way that leads to eternal life. And, and it, it, it's difficult and it takes a lot of work and we're in it to help each other, though, right? And we uh, definitely want to give God all the glory and honor and be so thankful for everything He gives us because I don't enjoy anything that didn't come from Him. And we have to remember that. Uh, when we look over this passage that Ben just read for us, and I told him when he read it, I didn't know where to stop because it definitely goes all the way through 6 and really all the way through 11 in this context. But I thought, man, I'll keep him here forever if I preach all that. So uh, we're just going to look at a few key thoughts here as we get into it. Of course, it's a therefore, so it goes with what came before it. So really the context starts earlier than where we're starting. And uh, he talked about knowing the flood and how they were saved and talks about how baptism is likened unto that and baptism now saves you. Uh, he goes to so many things, but he says, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourself for the same purpose. Let's just erase those words. That's, that's too hard. Just because he suffered in the flesh, I got to get ready to suffer in the... Come on now. He suffered in the flesh, now not me. This should be a walk in the body. Everything should be good for me now. Everything, peace and quiet and all uh, smooth sailing. I think sometimes we forget what Scripture really has to say. And when you take up the cross, when you take up your Christianity, when you're raised up out of watery grave of baptism to walk in newness of life, uh, like one person said, it might be that it's like walking in a rose garden because there's lots of thorns. But I think about this. He suffered. He definitely did. I could turn to so many passages. I'm going to mention one. We mentioned it this morning. I mentioned it for something else. But 1 Peter 2 and verse 21, Jesus suffered to leave us an example that we might follow in his steps. He had to suffer so you and I have an opportunity to get to heaven. He had to suffer to get back to heaven. And if you follow his footprints, you'll go through that same lifestyle. And I think about back like when Jesus' first sermon at the end of the Beatitudes, there at the opening remarks of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But he, he talks about, um, you know, you're going to be persecuted and people are going to say all manner of evil against you. But you need to know, so they persecuted the prophets. You tell me of any time in Scripture where God's men and women weren't persecuted by the church, by the world. It's just the way it happens. And then I think about another passage that I think it would do well for most people to maybe underline in their Bible. I don't have it underlined. I might have got a little star out here on the side. And it's over in uh, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12. I like it best in the King James. All who live godly will be persecuted. Are godly living people going to be persecuted in 2022? If I'm not persecuted, is there a problem? 
Looks like there's a lack of godly living because he said, all who live, the new marriage said, all who desire to live godly shall, will be persecuted. It isn't might be, it isn't should be, it isn't could be. It's they will, they shall be persecuted. So when you get some lumps thrown at you and some people are abrasive and hateful or unaccepting or whatever, when you're living as a Christian, that's how it works here. I don't like it, but that's how it works on this planet. And it said Jesus had to deal with it. I mean, you think about Jesus. Different than me, Jesus was always treated people like they need to be treated. Never was in the wrong. Never was in the wrong. He always did what was right. He always was pleasing to God. And still they want to kill him. They did. They, they beat him. They spit on him. They cursed his name. They nailed him to a cross. And even before you get to that, he has these guys that are his, his buds, his best friends. One of them sells him out for a little bit of money. A little bit of money. And another one who said, you can count on me no matter what, I'll die. I tell you what, I'll kill them all before they harm you. You can count on me. That's old Peter, isn't it? Jesus told him straight up before the cock crows, he'll deny me three times. When that cock crows, Peter looks at Jesus off in the distance there where Jesus was, and Peter left and wept bitterly. But still his best friends. He even asked him when he's going through all this agony of going to go to the cross. Here, I want you guys to stay over here and keep watch while I go here and pray. They can't even stay awake to keep watch for him. He gives them three opportunities. They fall asleep every time. Wow. And I think about how terrible that is. And then I think about, well, Kendall, you haven't been much better because lots of times in your life, you haven't been what God's called you to be. All who live godly will be persecuted. Turn to with a passage to a passage with me here real quick. Um, over in uh, 1 John chapter 2. And then we're, we're going to get at one other passage real quick and then get to the main part. But 1 John chapter 2, let's go to, go to verse 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. Do we let physical things get a hold of us in this world? Think it's what life's about? You know, I had someone ask me a question not long ago. They, they asked me some questions about the congregation and stuff, and they're a member of another congregation. And they said, uh, well, so, but you guys are pretty, your, your contribution makes things pretty tight there. I said, man, we got tremendous givers here. I said, that's not a problem, because these people already know everything they got belongs to God, so they sacrificially give to see those things happen that God wants to happen. That's not a problem. And I still think about the old story about the fellow who had been coming with his wife for years and never obeyed the gospel. One Sunday morning, he just walks forward. And his wife wondered, what in the world's going on? And he said, I'm, tells the preacher, I'm here to be baptized into Christ. Oh man, a preacher couldn't even believe it as many times he talked to him about it. And they go back to baptize him, and obviously he thought that congregation had something to learn about giving, because he says, before you baptize a preacher, there's like something I'd like to say. 
pulls his wallet out of his pocket. He says, me and my wallet all belongs to the Lord now. And then he was baptized into Christ. thought, boy, there's a sermon on giving. But you think about those things. Everything I've got belongs to God. we got to remember where it comes from, don't we? And it's so easy to get distracted with what we don't have that we don't realize all we do have. And so he said, you don't love the world nor the things of the, in the world for anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We've got to remember what life's about. So he says here, back in 1 Peter chapter 4, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves for the same purpose. In Romans 8, we could pick up and cover a lot in Romans 8, but verses 5 through 8 says, here it is. You're either of the flesh or you have the spirit. You're either living for one or the other. There's no middle of the road. There's not half fleshly, half spiritual living. You're all in or you're all out. That's the way it is. And so we have to recognize that we're for this. But he says, because he has suffered in the flesh, he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sinning. Why are they suffering? Because they're not living like... Doesn't it seem like sometimes there's a song in our book called Farther Along? And that song talks about, man, here we are, we're not getting anything. And it seems like all these worldly people, I'm paraphrasing the song, all these worldly people seem to be just getting everything. Well, it looks like that on a physical level, maybe. <laughs> but it looked like that with the rich man Lazarus, too, in Luke 16, didn't it? Who was the winner in the end? The rich man, while he was here, how's he been doing for the last 2,000 years? He'd been tormented, and it's never going to stop. The man who lived in torment here in pitiful conditions, but was faithful to the Lord for the last 2,000 years, has been comforted and will be comforted and rewarded for eternity. Man, it's so easy to get lost in right now. It's so easy to get caught up in that. I think about some idea of ceasing when it says, that this is an important, it's kind of the title I gave, ceased from sin. I'm just going to quit it. I think about something a fellow told me a long, go, long time ago. He is an elder in the church where I was preaching at the time. And we went to visit a guy who was giving up, uh, working to get rid of nicotine habit, smoking. And he told me and the, the elder there, he said, well, he said, well, I, I'm going to, I just decided I'm going to try to quit smoking. And Ed, the elder said, well, then you won't quit. What do you mean? He said, for years, I tried to quit smoking, never quit. When I decided I'd never smoke again, that's when I did. It. You got to decide you're not going to try. You're going to do it. I'm not just going to try it. I'm going to do it. No matter what it takes, I'm going to do it. Doesn't it work that way with all your temptations, all your challenges? You just got, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing it no matter what. It's going to hurt. I'm doing it anyway. You know, I think about that with people who have fears and phobias. I just watched a guy the other day who talked about in his family. He was so afraid of heights. And he just was, I'm going to get over this. And he kept... He said, I'd be so terrified. But he said, you know, I I'm, I'm still don't like him, but I'm not terrified like I was. And it showed him go out in this elevator on this uh, building they were building and walk out on an I-beam. He said, you can get over it because it's all right here. You know what? Temptations like that, the devil gets right in here and he controls us. 
I think I've read somewhere like about Romans 12 and verse 2. We're transformed by the renewing of your what? You got to think. Now, I'm telling you what, even people, let me tell you what. I've seen people that are scared to death, heard stories about people that are scared to death and can't swim, and still they got people out of a drowning situation. Because you know what? If it kills me, I don't care. I got to save that child's life. Whatever it is, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm not planning on going toe to toe with a grizzly bear, and I've been close to them a lot of times. But all of a sudden, if they're on someone, I don't have no choice here. You got to do what needs to be done. Satan gets you all distracted. Didn't you do that with Peter walking on the water? Let me throw a little extra wave and slap a little rain water up in his face. Oh, and then you start to sink. First John 1 and verse 7 says, If you walk in the light, that's progress, brethren. Walk is progress. None of you are walking right now. You're all setting. You're not moving anywhere. Maybe your heads. You know, you're not moving anywhere. Walking. I know, I'm not sure setting burns calories. Walking burns calories. Walking will get you somewhere. If you walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, you have fellowship one with another, and the blood of his son will cleanse you from most of your sin. Some of your sin will cleanse you from all sin. If you get in the light and you stay in the light and you keep making progress in the light, I always like to tell people, the longer you're a Christian, the better you should become at some things, right? The longer you do anything, the better you should be at it. Now, the only thing that didn't work for me was penmanship. It's got worse as I've got older. But, uh, no, you got to work at things. you got to keep focused on it. You can't forget that. While we're talking about 1 John, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. Listen to this. I'm going to pick up at verse 7. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. Are, do people try to deceive us all the time? Yep. Let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, the Lord, that's he, is righteous. We've talked about that so many times. Righteous is pretty easy. It's doing what's right. You know who the righteous is? The one that does the right thing. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Wow. So he says, here it is, you either practice righteousness and you're righteous, or you practice sin. What's your practice? Well, sometimes, you know, you ever practice been, let's say, here, let's give you practice. Practice means that you're habit, your manner of life, right? It's what you do on a regular basis. Let's say that every day, every day you go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. That's your practice. But all of a sudden something comes up, tornado sirens go off at 10 and they keep all kinds of stuff going up. And before the weather settles down, it's midnight. You don't get to bed till midnight. What's your practice? Go to bed at 10 o'clock. Well, you didn't go to bed. Sometimes it doesn't stay within the practice, does it? So our practice is not to sin, to do what's right. Sometimes do we still fail and sin? Yeah, but that's not our practice. Our practice, here's what, we're walking in the light. And when we don't practice righteousness, we beg God for forgiveness. And then we pick it up and get doing what is right again. 
We have to remember that. We have to practice what's right. He goes on, 9 and 10 are powerful. No one who is born of God practices sin. They just wouldn't do that. Because his seed abides in him, he cannot sin because he's born of God. And then he says this, by this the children of death of God and the children of devil are obvious. Can you tell them apart? Yeah, I can already tell you before we read it. One does what's right and one does sin. The one who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. So if, you're, if your practice isn't to do what's right, you're not of God. You're still of the devil. So when we think back where we started in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, they, they s- were suffering because they practiced righteousness. See, their suffering was proof that they'd ceased from sinning. They weren't living that ungodly life anymore. One I've always liked, and whenever I get on this point, I about always have to turn to it and look and give people time to turn to it. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. I quote verse 33 a lot. We could quote it if we want, but we're going to go to verse 34 of 1 Corinthians 15. Right after he says, Do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought, and stop sinning. Now let me ask you a question before we even read on. Has God ever instructed you to do anything that's impossible for you to do? So if He instructed you to do it, is it possible? What would be senseless and so against God to give you something that was impossible for you to do? So he, the instruction here is stop sinning. Is it possible to do that? Oh, it's possible. Does it mean we do a very good job at it? We're not going there right now. But we've got to walk in the light. There's no excuse. I tell people all the time, every sin, every sin Kendall's ever committed. You know whose fault it was? It's God's fault because he made me weak. That's, I hear people say that. Well, I'm just so weak, I can't, you know, God made me this way. You ever heard people use stuff like that? Just so you know, Adam did it. Well, it's that woman you gave me. See, he wasn't going to take responsibility for his own. And he just doesn't say, it's my woman that did this to me. It's that woman you gave God, it's your fault. It's your fault I ate of the tree. Why'd you put that stupid tree in there anyway? You know, you just think about that attitude. We all, people blame God for their sin all the time. He made us so weak. People even want to take Romans 3.23 and says you have to sin. No, it says you all did. It didn't say you had to. Just because it says you did didn't mean you had to. Did Jesus, wasn't he all physical man? And doesn't Hebrews 4 and verse 15 say he was tempted in all ways as we are? Yet he did not sin. It's possible the failure's my fault, not God's fault. But he says, stop sinning. So once we're Christians, we've got to get on that. We look on down in this passage here in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for, the lust, for, uh, for men, but for the will of God. For a time has already passed is sufficient for you to carry out all the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued... 
a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking, parties, abominable, and he goes on. And then I think it's interesting, and it wasn't what I had read, but verse 4, he says, and they're surprised that you don't run with them. Hey, how come you're not coming along? Wow. People don't understand that, do they? Got an article somewhere put away about a young lady and I think she was a senior in high school and her she's pure she she'd never been involved in any kind of sexual activity and her boyfriend was really pushing her for that and her friend says well you need to do that because that way they know they love you. And she finally just told her friend, she says, just so you know, you can never become like me again, but I can become like you anytime I want. That's pretty slap in the face, isn't it? But purity is purity. And the only way we're able to be made pure now is through the blood of Christ, right? We can be forgiven. as was brought up not long ago in one of Ben's sermons, but are there still many times consequences even though you're forgiven? David had them, didn't he? Cost him four children. He passed judgment on himself even. Hmm. We think about that. We have to understand what it is. But I also have to understand that the Lord is going to take care of me but I've got to remember this. They're going to be surprised. The world's going to be surprised when we're not like them. I was amazed this week, I guess since I'm from Kansas, that Kansas was silly enough to vote to protect abortion rights. I think you've got to be kidding me. And I'm telling you, when you talk to a lot of people in the world, they cannot believe that you and I would not allow a woman to make the decision my word, to exterminate their baby if they so choose. I think, well, you know, I told him, I says, well, I think if they do it, they need to give you up to two years after birth to make the decision. What? Well, because they go through the end of their terrible twos, you might decide that's too much. Now just put a bag over their head and we'll be good. You can't do that. I said, well, when do you think? See, their problem is they don't understand when God gives something life, and that value on that life is because God gave it to them. It doesn't have anything to do with how productive they are at the moment. I always warn people, you know, I know where this is going to go because it only makes sense. That'll finally go when you get done with that. Then you got euthanasia on the other end. Well, everyone over 80 is not contributing anything to society anymore. And we would sure give some relief to Social Security if we just kill all them. Just, we can be nice and just put them asleep like a dog. What? No, God has value, has given the value of life. He's the one that breathed life into man. He's the one that said, you think about how valuable, listen to this, every person on this earth is this valuable. You're as valuable as the Son, Jesus Christ, because He gave Him to redeem you. How much more valuable can a human be than that? And so God gives this great value of physical life so that we can have spiritual life 
and we're robbing people from the situation before they even have a chance to breathe a breath. Wow, they're surprised when you don't run with them. They're surprised when you don't go along with what, with what they want. Uh, they will give an account as it goes on. They will be judged. But I think about how important it is for us to understand we've got to get at the point where we don't make up excuses why we did what was wrong. We just beg for forgiveness when we realize we've done what was wrong. And so as I think about this lesson and this sermon and this time, I, I realize the Bible would point out on so many occasions, just like we mentioned there in 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 John 1 and verse 7, but also think about, so we're going to be doing the Father's will. So you guys remember, and I'm not going to turn to it, but you can if you want, over in uh, Romans chapter 6, a question is asked there, uh, should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? I hate to waste any of God's grace. So see, the more sinful I am, the more grace that can be bestowed. Now I'm telling you, just that just sounds ridiculous on the surface. And of course the answer is, God forbid in the King James, may it never be in the numeric standard. And so Kendall's paraphrase, are you nuts? May it never be. May it never be. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin? That's not, I don't live for sin anymore. I used to live, I don't live for sin anymore. That's not what I live for. I live, you guys remember us in the lesson this morning, we talked about getting married. Talked about before you're married. I don't care how many girlfriends you got at the same time. Some people said think that's terrible. I don't care. You can have our many girls. Just be honest with them all. Tell them you got a whole bunch of them. Said, yeah, I got a whole lot of girlfriends. You don't like that? Head on down the road. There'll be another one to replace you. Whatever. You know, whatever that needs to be. But once you say I do, you got to give up on girlfriends. Okay, that's just how it works. That's what this says. Once you become a Christian, that whole sin thing, you gave up on it. I don't live that life anymore. Some people don't transition very well into that, do they? We have to remember what the Scripture teaches. Go on into Romans chapter 6. Throw me verse 4 up there. Romans 6 and verse 4. Therefore we've been buried with Him through baptism into death. I've done that. I was baptized in a watery grave of baptism, reenacting the burial of Jesus, Romans 6, verse 6, putting the old man of sin to death. But you look at that, and then he says, So as to Christ, how it's raised from the dead to the glory, so we too might walk in newness of life. So when I come up out of the water, you gave a baptism, am I different? Well, I'm still male. I'm still human. I still have blue eyes. What do you mean I'm different? Well, we're different. Not on the outside. We still look the same, just wet. Went in dry, come out wet. But our sins, it's amazing. You go in water and come in contact with the blood of Christ, and you're whiter than snow. Blood makes you whiter than snow. Next time you got a white shirt, you let me know. You get out some steak or something and get a bunch of blood on it and see how white that makes it. It's just, there's all kinds of things there that's just amazing, but your sins are washed away. You are forgiven. 
You're raised up, now you're pure instead of filthy. You were condemned and hell-bound, and now you're clean and have a reservation in heaven. I like this thing. I like it a lot. Now I get to be forgiven, but do I get any new responsibilities? Oh, yeah. He says, now I forgave you, and you're one of my sons. I expect you act like it. So your life's going to change. I don't know what you've been doing on Sundays before now, but I'm going to tell you what you're going to be doing on Sundays now. I don't know what books you've been reading, but I'm going to tell you what books you're going to be reading. I don't know how you've been talking, but I'll tell you how you're going to be talking. And you just think about that. Everything in your life has to change. Raised to walk in newness of life. I think about people that I've had the blessing through years to share the gospel with that obeyed the gospel. And I didn't really know their friends before they became a, became a Christian or the co-workers. And I remember one person asked me about another person, what'd you do to him? I said, what do you mean? He's not even the same person he was last week. He's totally different. Man, would you come Sunday? I'd like you to speak, <laughs> you know, because I tell you what, that's what we need to be, isn't it? We don't need to be conformed to this world we need to be transformed, and we need to be helping other people be transformed. And when they look at us, they've got to see people who, when we sin, we're so ashamed. We're so ashamed, and we beg for forgiveness. And we'll do all we can not to live that way. Now, are any of us perfect? Not of ourselves. We've been made perfect in Christ, but we're not perfect in and of ourselves. Look at another one with me, just real quick. I'll wrap it up right here. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 14, 15, and 16. As obedient children, you know, you go somewhere where there's families, a whole bunch of families. Would you rather get seated at the table with well-behaved children or misbehaved children? I like obedient children. Okay, as obedient children, do not be conformed to your former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. One thing, when you didn't know better, when you became a Christian, did you, you grew in Christ and you find things you didn't know were wrong. I can't be doing that anymore. That's the, way it, that's the way it works when you study the Bible. You were ignorant to it. It was still wrong, but you were ignorant to it. It's one thing when you're ignorant of something and doing what's wrong. It's another thing when you know better and you do it anyway. That's called willful sin. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to your former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in all your behavior. Wow. Because it is written, you shall be holy, God says, for I am holy. Oh, that word holy carries so many things. But I want you to think about that this week. This week, that's your word of the week, holy. Okay? You get that as your word of the week. Everything you do this week said, now, I don't care, you drive somewhere. When you get there, did I drive like a holy person or drive like a maniac? Did I drive different than everyone else drive? Did I act different? When I go to the store, am I holy? Do I act different? Do I, am I proper? Whatever I do, is it, does it come across as holy? Just like God is holy. That word is interesting. 
Usually when you read the word holy in the New Testament, the Greek word it comes from probably doesn't mean much to you, but it's a Greek word hagios. And it does carry with it the idea of purity, but the real definition of the word is different. And it just means you're so different from the world, you stand out. Did Jesus stand out while he was here? Oh, yeah. Did the Apostle Paul stand out? Oh, yeah. You want me to keep giving you examples? Godly people stand out. Now, Jesus, he was mistreated, but Paul, he had a walk in the park, right? I'll tell you what, this is hard to beat, but I think physically he was more mistreated than Jesus. You think about all the beatings he got. They even thought they killed him once and he walked back into town. And think what that would be. You just stoned this guy to death and you get to town and he's showing up at the diner. Wow! We've got to be God's men and women no matter what. So let's just remember, let's make sure we don't continue in sin that we cease from sinning. And you need to know the world won't like it. Darkness doesn't like the light because it shows its flaws. But I tell you what, if they're seeking the truth, you're the only way they're going to find it. If you need to become a Christian this afternoon by putting on Christ in baptism, we want to encourage you to do that. If you need the prayers of the church to be stronger in your faith and to grow, let us know. We'll definitely take you before God's throne in prayer. If we can help you, please come as we stand and sing.